I'm sales team turnaround specialist, Jeremy DeMerchant. And each week I bring sales leaders like you, experts and insights that will help you level up your leadership, motivate like a master, and ultimately crush your comp plan. If it's time to raise the bar on your team's performance, then it's time for Sales Team Rescue. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this episode of Sales Team Rescue. I am your host, Jeremy Demergent. We'll do a shameless plug for me to start. Founder of Permission to Sell Consulting Group. I am super excited to have you here. We've got a super, uh, I've used a super lot today. <laughs> I'm really excited to introduce our guest in just a few minutes. Uh, he's going to be joining us momentarily. Um, but I want to first say thank you. Thank you for, for joining us. Uh, we're in week number two for Sales Team Rescue. And this, uh, the opportunity to have this show has created um, so many more opportunities already. Like we're, we're week two and uh, opening so many doors to create opportunity. And so I want to know, guys, those of you that are watching, um, let me know what questions you have going forward, what guests to see. Um, my goal here is to introduce you to people who have phenomenal stories around building a team and phenomenal stories about you know turning teams around. Um, very, very excited to, to be able to do this. So we're going to sit tight um, and hopefully our guest today is going to be able to jump on. There were some technical difficulties, but I did not want to lose the stream here on Facebook. So let's see what we've got. All right. I'm just going to double check this here. All right, perfect. So before we dive into our guest, um, I want to give a shout out to Headspace TV. Uh, those of you watching in the group Headspace for Entrepreneurs, I want to say it's been an honor. Uh, Rivers gave me the opportunity to be on this network and Nick Pereira as well, uh, giving us this opportunity. So thank you guys to both of you and all the other hosts on the network. Uh, really excited about this. And I hope that you get a lot of value from, from what we're doing here today. All right, and I've got noticed that Paul is going to be joining us in just a couple of seconds here. Uh, just technical delay, but that's what happens when we are live, and I am not going to let you guys down. Um, we will make edits for the <laughs> for the replay, perhaps, but this has just been an awesome opportunity. So I want to talk a little bit before we invite our guest on. Um, I want to tell you a little bit about why this show exists. Uh, the show exists because I want to help sales teams improve to grow. I think that sales is a part of people's company that um, that people struggle with, right? I work with small business owners. Uh, I work with I've worked with sales teams. Uh, at one point, I was running a team doing one point three million dollars a month, and I was able to help grow it from one person to nine people in a matter of eighteen months. And we had some phenomenal success. And I want to be able to bring that same level of success the ones that the huge corporate companies have and bring that same ability, that scalability to small business owners. And so this is the, these are the pieces that um, I want to introduce to the audience. And this is why I want to bring on um, all these amazing guests, including our next guest. So give me one moment. We are going to bring Paul up and he's going to be up here in a couple seconds. Awesome. Paul, how are you? 
Doing great. What's going on, Jeremy? Sorry for the uh, little delay there. No worries. No worries. We appreciate you joining us here, um, guys. So I'm super excited to introduce you to Paul. Here's here's the intro. Um, Paul Salamanca is currently the VP of Enterprise Sales for, for VRMer, a Silicon Valley hybrid cloud security startup that raised over $127 million in funding. Wow. Uh, Paul first got into sales. I'm oh, sorry. Paul leads growing team, a growing team of 12 sales development reps and outside sales executives. He first got into sales as an entrepreneur while in college and has since been selling to Fortune 1000 companies for over 15 years, either as an individual contributor or as a leader. Paul has been among the top 1% in new net, or net new annual recurring revenue for much of his career, selling tens of millions of dollars in contracts to companies like Goldman, Bloomberg, Deloitte, Ernst & Young, E-Trade, TD, Ameritrade, and Moody's. Now, growing up, he's always imagined himself being surrounded by beautiful women, and his wish came true as he now lives in New Jersey with his wife and three young daughters. I love That's that. That's right. I should have been a little more specific with the universe. <laughs> we get what we ask for, right? <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. I, I, I think you probably got the better end of the deal anyway. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. I, love, I love it. No complaints here. Welcome, welcome. So I'm really pumped to have you here, and I want to tell the audience a little bit about how I first learned about you. Um, I would say met you, but you you were on stage at an event uh, just two months ago, I guess. We were in uh, in New Orleans. Yep. And you were actually sharing a stage with the Wolf of Wall Street, Jordan Belford, <laughs> and uh, it was it was phenomenal. And I got to tell you, I'm a huge fan of Jordan. Yeah. Um, not, not all of them, but <laughs> what the stuff that he teaches now. But your presentation was the one that caught my attention. Awesome. Um, and and part of it, uh, you know, there's a certain car brand that was involved. You mentioned that you, a car you have in the presentation that really uh, caught my 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 attention. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that later. But there were some things that you said in the story that you shared that made me think, I need to get to know this guy. Um, and as soon as you stepped off stage, you were like swarmed by everybody in the room. And I went back and went, I don't really want to wait in line. There's a better way. So I pulled out my phone and messaged you on LinkedIn um, about 10 seconds after you got off the stage. And you were and you were super quick to respond, so I appreciate that. So yeah, thank you. Uh, when I reached out uh, for the show, um, Paul didn't hesitate. He's like, man, I'm in. Let's do it. So uh, so thank you. I, I greatly appreciate that. So to, to jump in, though, um, and as, as I, I mentioned to you, like this show is really about sharing – stories about struggle and success, whether it's from a sales perspective as an individual or as a sales team, especially from a sales team. But I want to hear about your story because your story individually is is really unique. Um, and I really love some of the language you use. And we, we won't have time for the, the whole uh, version that you gave on stage uh, in New Orleans. But uh, yeah. the Coles Notes version, so the audience has a, a feel for, for who you are and how you roll. So, so tell me a little bit about you and your story. Sure. So um, thanks for that awesome introduction, by the way, especially the first part. Sounds like uh, I wrote it, but uh, <laughs> well said. Um, <clears throat> so I grew up most of my life either in New York until I was 12, and then I moved to a suburb in, in New Jersey. So I was always from the East Coast, and um, I decided to go out to Arizona for college, and I was uh, almost felt like a different world. And um, when I was out there, um, I was really having a great time, um, learning a lot of things, not only in class, but just being out by myself. And um, I'm out by the pool one day, palm trees, beautiful weather. And um, my dad calls me and he said, hey, Paul, um, I know 
I know you're having a good time out there. Your grades aren't the best. Um, and I feel like my business, um, my business, he was in, in print advertising at his own advertising company and print obviously was, uh, slowing down there. He's like, business is slowing down. It's, it, it would be nice if you maybe came home and went to school kind of locally. And as he's saying this, I'm looking around at the palm trees and the weather. I'm like, that's going to be a, t- that's a tough ask. It's really tough for me to do. So I said, dad, let me, let me call you back in a couple of days. Uh, let me think about a way where I could also, um, maybe work or start my own business here. So I, I, I did that. I, I spent like the weekend trying to figure out a way to do that. And, um, I came up with a plan to say, okay, dad, I, I want to go out to local businesses and advertise their businesses to to the campus. I want to mail this out to dorms, fraternities, sororities. And if you could help me create this, print this, um, I will just go out and sell. It should be no problem. It's easy. Sales is very easy. So I started going door to door after class, suit and tie in the middle of the desert. And I realized that it was not easy until, uh, until you get a no, you keep going. You're like, man, I, I may have to go home. Um, but I didn't want to do that. So I kept going door to door to door and finally someone wrote me a check and I said, well, um, now I have to continue this. And to make a long story short, um, a couple years later, I started to get national advertisers like Domino's Pizza, uh, New York Life Insurance. They wanted to recruit, you know, some, some college kids to, to, maybe, to, to be in sales. And, um, my, my company then formed a partnership with a, uh, uh, one of the notebook companies, and we quickly grew to over 2,200 colleges and universities. And I moved then to Scottsdale, and I realized there was a difference between transactional door-to-door sales and actual long corporate sales cycles where it takes six to eight months to close a deal and to bring customers in. And I said, I don't have the cash flow to sustain a long sales cycle. So the only thing I knew how to do is, okay, let me do this during the day, keep growing my business. But at night, I'm going to have to figure out how to make ends meet and just keep living. So I would, again, find weird things to do, like go door to door at night selling alarm systems, um, just so I could put food on the table. I would, um, um, you know, just do some, whatever sales job was available, I could find in the paper, I would do that. Um, and then that experience basically got me into corporate sales uh, when I was 23, completely bypassed the SDR role um, and just made it to the outside sales role because of my experience. Um, and I was definitely the youngest guy there by far on the floor. Um, but I had what I, I had. I had the foundation. I knew what it took to succeed. I just didn't know if I was doing it correctly because everything was going off of instinct. And I had great mentors that would give me that that structure, um, and I learned a lot from. So then that's how my my corporate sales career kind of started. Awesome. So you mentioned you you skipped right past the SDR role. So that's for that. So for those that aren't familiar, that sales development role, a rep. And and so tell me a little bit about what you think. Um, one, give you the ability to bypass that. And two, do you think it was a good thing or do you think there was an opportunity where you could have learned things um, more if you had taken the time to be in that role? Mentally, for me, I just felt like uh, I was already past that role because I was already part of what I was doing was just cold calling to set up meetings and then I would go out and actually bring a business on my own. So as far as I was concerned, I was a I was already a business owner, a business professional, um, someone who was already selling a lot of business. Um, and when someone gave me the job to just sell, I said, so you're telling me you're paying me a salary before I even sell anything. 
and all I have to do is sell, not worry about marketing accounts receivable. I thought that was easy. Um, so I, while I did skip the SDR phase, I had a lot of that um, just in me already just by running my own business and having a call. So that's great experience. And that's what I look for in the SDRs that we hire, someone that's not afraid to pick up the phone, even though fewer people are picking up the phones. That shouldn't be an excuse why you should never make a cold call. I mean, there, there are a lot of different mediums, and I'm not, I'm not the one to say cold calling is the best way. It's a great, great method because it allows you to get instant feedback when you do get someone on the phone. If you're going through your messaging or your pitch and you realize that, uh, man, this guy or this lady basically hung up on me or just shut me down right at this part of, of my conversation – what can I do next time in this little piece of the conversation to um, maybe get past it? Or how does that sound if, if I were to call myself, how would I sound to myself or I just pick up pick up the phone? Because at that time we had a lot of at that time we had a lot of we still had a lot of landlines, right? That was pretty prevalent. So you'd still get those phone calls from telemarketers interrupting your dinner. And growing up I'd hear my my dad pick up the phone all the time or my mom up the phone all the time and you knew it was a telemarketer and you would just hear see their heads shake and then finally they'd wait for the breath and they say sorry not interested and then next thing out of my parents mouth with telemarketer get sit back down at dinner right so that's what I did not want to do um, so I was trying to always teach myself how do I grab their attention right away and not sound like a telemarketer I think that's really key because um, a lot of people would take that experience and, and I had that as a kid as well and go I don't want to be in sales, right? right. Sales is bad. Sales and always be like, that's, that's the message that a lot of people grow up with. But you, you took that and went, no, sales isn't hard. Sales isn't scary, but I don't want to create this result. That's right. And I, and I think that's huge because there's still people out there that will um, go the, take the cold call route and, and do it in a way that is very telemarketer like, or very transactional in their approach versus building those long-term relationships. Yeah. And I feel like, uh, so we're implementing video now into our, um, into our SDR process. And I feel like that's a great feedback loop for me. If I'm not around them all the time where, um, I can hear their pitch and a lot of SDRs when they, when they first get started, they have, and I think salespeople in general, they have this desire to, as soon as they get someone live or on the phone, they have this desire to right away tell them how they could help their company because they genuinely feel good about what they're doing, what they suddenly should at least. But that's, like you said, that makes you fall into that telemarketer trap. And we're just programmed to just wait for the breath or the pause in the conversation to say not interested. So there has to be a different approach. Um, and, and I have many ways to do that. Um, so you, So you're not sounding like a telemarketer. That's awesome. And uh, I'm really excited. But at the end, I'm going to tell everybody where they can get access to, to some of your amazing tips and, okay. and tricks. All right, cool. um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm super stoked. So uh, I want to run through some standard questions that I want to get a feel so we can give some feedback to the audience and, and help people take those steps to, to use your knowledge. You know, I'm a, I'm a fan of, you know, you can learn something over 10 years or you can read it in a book in a few hours or you can watch the gist of it in an interview in 30 minutes. And, uh, you know, I would much rather have my audience be able to do the latter and then jump in and, and see the videos and stuff that you have coming up as well. So yeah. tell me, tell me about hiring. Um, uh, this is a big challenge for, for a lot of people. They, they start, they might have a team and they struggle to get the right people in place. Um, I've heard the tip, uh, hire slow, fire fast, 
But tell me about like how that hiring process works for you and maybe like one key tip that you can share with the audience. Sure. So um, I, I think mindset has a lot to do with it. So starting with I look for different things depending on the role. So if you want to start with an SDR role, I, I want to make sure that sales is something that that they're serious about and they 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 want to progress and it's not something that they're kind of testing out because uh, they're going to hear a lot of rejection and if they know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel once they master the SER role that there is a place for them to improve and to grow and to become an account executive um, that's the first thing because then they're not just making dials to get their call their call numbers up so they could show management that they're making the calls. They're actually making the dials so they could set the meeting um, and learn from the meeting and learn from the conversation. So that's the first thing I look for. Um, and then just someone who's, um, you know, somebody who is uh, just a pleasure to be around someone that would be a great part of the team. Someone that that's willing to learn. That's a big thing. And um, someone who is, who is, uh, you know, not afraid to actually try, try new things. And maybe we could learn something from from someone brand new because they're doing something so different that uh, I never thought of before. Um, so that's more of that entrepreneurial spirit is something that we look for. I think that's a huge shift that a lot of people need to make is, um, you, you know, hire someone that maybe is better than you or has different ideas than you. Right. Uh, if, if we if we were the best at all the roles, we would do them all. Um, if we had time, but, <laughs> but the only way to, to grow and, and get better is to be comfortable surrounding yourself with people that are better than you for the, spe the specific role that you want them in. Yeah. And then what we look for, I agree. And then what we look for, for um, maybe some of the junior reps is, is the ability to show that they have brought in business before. It's just a matter of how are they doing that? Is there uh, is there a way where we can accelerate that? Is there a way where, um, they're, they're willing to learn maybe new techniques or there are things that they're not doing. Maybe they're a B plus player. Can we get them to an A player? Um, and then for, for the senior guys who have who've been around the block for a while, um, how, how are they going about their process? And are they open to maybe implementing new things within their process? And, um, you know, how they sound and how they talk to customers with their, you know, if somebody is, you get a good sense of just, you ask a lot of questions during the interview, not so much to get an answer, but just to hear how they sound and how they think. And that tells you a lot about a person. Awesome. Very, very cool. Um, so once you get somebody on board, you get the right person in the door and let's just assume they're the right person. Do you have specific steps or things that you do to help them get ramped up more quickly, like from a training perspective or orientation perspective? Um, the best thing is knowledge sharing. So uh, there, there's a, a new account executive who started, I would say, less than a month ago. And um, what I did on our one-on-one -on -one last Friday, um, it was actually bleeding into my other one-on-one -on -one with another account executive who's been around for a little bit. I said, um, how comfortable are you pitching on your own without bringing in an SE at this point? He said, not really that comfortable. I'm still pr fairly new. I said, All right, that's fair. That's understandable. That's the answer I was expecting. So rather than me kind of always trying to coach and do that, I said, let's, let's bridge you in with, um, you know, this, this other AE and hear what he's saying and how he's doing it. So then that led, led, us to having more of a collaborative conversation and this this account executive took pride in, in telling this new account executive how he's setting up the meeting 
what's been working for him. And that's the best knowledge. So now he's getting real life examples. And then we did it again with another later on in the day with another rep because um, everyone has their own style and there's some things that work for some people and some things that work for that don't work for others. So that's, that's one example. And for SDRs, again, um, I think video is key because they, so um, within the, within three days, we did this exercise about two weeks ago. They had to customize 25 videos and send them out to um, 25 different prospects within three days. And at first, everyone was like, this is crazy. I don't know how I could do that. Um, but they realized like they got better and more comfortable with their pitch the more they did that. And that's the thing. Since not too many people are picking up their phones, um, the video gives you the opportunity to to practice your craft over and over and over again. And it gives me the ability to say, okay, this piece of our messaging sounds too much like a commercial. How can we change that? How can we maybe start asking questions and not telling them everything we do up front because it may not make sense. Why don't we just ask a question? And if they're really interested, they'll ask us a, a question back. They'll answer that question and then ask us another buying question. Then we could maybe give them a little nugget and then ask another question back. So it has to be that pitch and catch. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So, um, now, let me ask you, are you, is your team, are you in a, the same location as your team or is it virtual? So, um, a little bit of both. So we have a few people in New York. We're headquartered out of uh, California. So I live in New Jersey. I go to New York office as well. Um, so they're, yeah, they're, they're pretty spread out. Do you feel like the dynamic is, is changed between the ones that you can get in person versus the ones you might need to do through video or, or phone calls? Um, it's always great to be, to be in person. I just don't think that's the reality these days, especially if, if someone's, um, you know, a really successful account executive, they'll, they'll, I don't, they'll want to be a little more free work from home. Um, but we do make it a point to do our quarterly business reviews offsite. Next week, we're going to Charlotte, the, the whole global sales team. Um, and it still gives us that ability to bond together and, and to share information. So we do get, um, you know, that one-on-one interaction but um, not as much as it used to be, I guess. Gotcha. Okay. So yeah, I think that that's a big challenge is a lot of sale teams are virtual. And I think it's really good because instead of having to choose, let's say the best people in New, New Jersey, New York, um, you get to choose the best in the world in, in a lot of yeah. cases. Right. Um, but right. the other, the, the handoff is how do we make sure that that feeling of camaraderie, that feeling of um, family is created for that uh, in that case. So I, I think that's huge. Um, so when it comes to those tough conversations and the performance side of things, do you, do you do something um, specific when it comes, like how do you approach it when you've got a rep that's not doing the job? Cause a lot of people watching might have a team of one or two. Um, some people might have a team of 15 or 20. How do you handle that, that conversation? Um, and actually maybe before we ask that, what numbers matter most to you? What, what, what are your metrics? Let's start with that. Um, starts with pipeline. So mm -hmm. we have to have enough at bats. And, um, so pipeline, um, I would say the average sales cycle. So if it's, if someone's, if someone's, um, bringing in business, um, but it's taking twice as long as someone else, I mean, we have to understand why that is, um, deal sizes and, um, you know, clo obviously closed one. And for an SDR, 
I'm not so concerned about number of dials or, or emails. If, if we start focusing on activity, they'll just focus on activity as opposed to just the, the outcome, which is, which is meetings. So mm-hmm. if they're not setting the meetings, they're not doing the proper activities. Gotcha. So, so if the results there, you're good. But if the results aren't there, then we got to work ourselves backwards to see what activity need to be done to get that done. Am I, am I getting that right? Yeah. Yeah. And then we, we still, I mean, we still look at the, the activity, but we're not going to say you have to make X amount of dials every single week. Um, Cause I've been in that situation before. And then that becomes just a focus point where you start to figure out, I've heard stories from other, other people where their um, SDRs making dials to disconnected numbers just so they could show their, their management that they're making the dials. And that's not an environment that you want to be in. You, I was you know. surprised to hear that. Yeah. I, I once upon a time in a previous life was in a call center and there were people that would call the movie line that would just cycle and tell you what wow. movies were playing and it would get your talk time up. So it looked wow. good if nobody was actually listening to the call. So, I mean, luckily movie lines, I don't think are a thing anymore, but <laughs> it just th- that's what, and when I shifted from being a rep on the phones to, to team lead to coach to manager, um, those were the things that used to drive me crazy. Yeah. So, so, so coming from being a rep yourself, to running a team, did you find there was a mindset shift that had to happen for you? Uh, a little, yeah, of course, because I, I'm used to doing things a certain way, and, and I realize not everybody um, will do it that way, and not everybody has the same strengths, and maybe their strengths are in, I know their strengths are in other areas, and um, that's okay. Everybody's their own person, uh, but as long as we're all sharing and, and working together to to, to focus on our strengths and, and help out. I feel like that's, that was the biggest, biggest mind shift for me is to know that not everybody is going to do things exactly the way I used to do them. And that's okay. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Well, because we're running out of time, I'm going to dive into our lightning round, but while I do, I'm going to let people know where to find you on LinkedIn first. So I'm going to pop this link up. LinkedIn.com forward slash IN forward slash hybrid cloud security. That's your personal LinkedIn profile? Yeah. Okay, awesome. So while that's sitting up there so people can add you on LinkedIn, um, I want to hit you with the lightning round. So as we know, coffee's for closers. <laughs> nice. Right, <laughs> I was, I was going to get a cup that says your logo can be here if you want to advertise on the show, but life it says life is a story awesome. maker is a bestseller. Um, so what's your favorite coffee or comparable drink? So uh, my wife just uh, had us buy this Mealy coffee maker, which is super fancy. One button, have a nice fresh brewed coffee, but I still keep it uh, keep it real, and I go to Dunkin' Donuts. Nice. Don't tell her that, though. Yeah. <laughs> so, so for those Canadians that are watching, um, and for those Americans, so if America runs at Dunkin's, Canada runs on Tim Hortons. So you're going to hear both on this show throughout the uh, the weeks, the months <laughs> that we're going here, but. I'll admit, whenever I get off a plane in the U.S., I do go to the first Dunkin's I can find. So, yeah, awesome. Um, what's the number one book or movie you'd recommend to a sales rep or sales leader just starting out? Number one book, any Brian Tracy books. I feel like gets you going in the right mindset, even though it's kind of old school. You could still apply that to new school. So, my style is a combination. I would say of three books: um, The Psychology of Selling by Brian Tracy, The Challenger Sale which is if you challenge in the right way, that's very helpful. It lets you know that people, the customers are not looking for the yes 
the yes person anymore to say yes to everything and just to, to be order takers. They're actually looking for someone to challenge, but in the right way, not to say, hey, you're wrong, Mr. Customer, because that's not going to do, uh, that's not going to make you successful either. That's actually going to, yeah. Um, so there's a right way to challenge. And then uh, the third book um, that kind of completes my style is Pitch Anything by Orrin Clef. Um, so he, he goes out and talks about how he um, raises capital, but does it in a different way. And he's a little too bold for my style. So I take a lot of what he says and kind of tone it. I, I tone it down a level or two, but I found that it works pretty well for me. And then the movie, a lot of great sales, uh, sales movies, I'd say Wall Street, but Boiler Room. Um, the thing I liked about Boiler Room, I think that would be my favorite is when um, – you know, when, when they're on the call, when they're cold calling and uh, they hear so many no's, the way that they disrupt the pattern to say, well, let me ask you this or let me let me ask you a question. That's you could watching the movie, you could feel the shift. So I would before I got into sales, I started to get into sales. So I said, well, what would I say there? And I try to overcome the objection, but they do it in a different way where they would ask a completely different question to get their mind off of that one objection to talk about something else. So I picked up a few things from that Boiler Room movie. I was, I was really hoping you were going to say that. I love that movie. It was, it was my first <laughs> sales movie that I saw when I started. So that's awesome. Yeah. It's um, awesome. Now who's, so you mentioned, actually mentioned mentoring at, at the first, um, who's someone you've considered to be a mentor in your life, your career? Um, I would say a few, obviously my dad. So my, my, I'm very critical on myself. Um, my dad always, uh, believed in me 100%. No matter what I wanted to do, he was always behind me 100%. Um, and then my first corporate job, um, a guy by the name of Chris Mezzatesta, Matt Cain, they actually saw something in me. They took a chance in me because I was very young. Um, but they gave me the corporate structure I needed to take the next step. And they spent a lot of time with me. Um, so I really appreciated that. Awesome. Um, and What's the strangest thing in your daily routine that you do to help you stay in your game? So I have a lot of strange things. I'll probably not go right from zero to super strange. So I'll, I'll do some uh, <laughs> level two strange stuff. Uh, I, I write down my goals in, in present or past tense. So if I'm looking to receive a purchase order, I say I received a purchase order today from so-and-so and, -so and um, I check the box off. So I, I do that. Um, you know, I do that every morning. Nice. And so, so every single morning, that's awesome. Yeah. I just went through and uh, redid a vision board and, uh, it forced me to go back through my goals and kind of mapped out the, the next four years of my life. So, nice. um, and, and I will say, so on my watch, I'm not gonna be able to show it on the screen, but the background of my Apple watch, I've got a certain Trident logo. Um, so every time I look at my watch to see what time it is, it's time to go earn a Maserati. <laughs> um, uh, and I saw, you know, in, you, you mentioned it in your presentation in uh, New Orleans, but also I saw in the intro clip in your video, you do drive this beautiful Maserati SUV. Yeah. So, um, I wasn't even really into, into Maseratis. I was more into BMWs. And I think I told, I, I think I said this on stage, we were cleaning out, um, the, my upstairs office, bringing it down here and, and using that for our third, our third daughter. And I opened up this book where I wrote down very specifically a story about me waking up, um, looking over, seeing my beautiful wife, waking up, getting out of bed. And I was just trying to be very, very specific about the day that was going to happen and unfold um, as if I was writing that story of my life. And I go outside 
my daughter who um who was going outside with me says hey paul i don't want to drive the white uh dad i don't want to drive the white uh, seven series i want to go and drive the maserati and i was writing that and then i found it you know i found that book and i was like oh my god i had the white seven series i had the maserati and it was just like it surprised me because i totally forgot that i wrote that story years ago that's and amazing. i don't think i've ever thought of a maserati since then that that's amazing it's it's interesting i uh one of my first vision boards uh, probably 11 years ago now um i had a picture i wanted to be a speaker and i put a picture on it of a guy standing at a lectern um, and what I didn't realize is that picture was a stock photo used on a lot of Toastmasters websites. I'd never heard of Toastmasters in my life. Yeah. And then you know, six years ago, I walk into a Toastmasters group because I got really nervous on stage and it's completely changed my life. I looked back at the board and went, oh, I've seen that picture before. Click to the website and, and I see it there like screaming at me saying, you literally got what you asked for. You are. <laughs> so, I got to tell you the power of visualization. You got into it's a lot in your presentation as well, but yeah. It's so it's, it makes such a huge difference. So I think, you know, writing your goals down in the present or past tense each day, that's huge. Thank you for sharing that with us. And that story, um, I don't think you shared the story, at least not in that much detail um, about, about writing that story and seeing the, the Maserati reference there. So that was awesome. Uh, thank you for sharing that. So now I want to let people know how they can get a hold of you. So we've had the LinkedIn link up there, but I want to send them to what I call the good site. Top1percenter.com. So I know there's more to come on that site. Tell us, tell the audience what they can expect to find in the near future. So there's um, there's really in-depth sales training videos that I put together and um, I'll be uploading it to the site. So right now, um, if you if you join, you won't you won't have to pay for anything, and then you'll just be emailed a link for 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 the actual entire course. Um, so it should be coming up pretty soon. Awesome. So I am signed up. Guys watching this, sign up, get in for free, get the goodies, but treat it like you spent thousands and thousands of dollars on it because I've gotten to know Paul and I just know this content is going to be amazing. Also on his LinkedIn, um, he's got amazing videos and content there as well. So if you want to improve your sales game, check him out, top1percenter.com. Paul, thank you so much for for joining me today, for joining us. Uh, It was a pleasure having you here. Um, and, uh, I would love to have you on again in a few months and see how things are going. Um, so we'll, we'll play that by ear, but it was a pleasure. Thank you very much. Anything else you want to say to the audience before we, uh, before we call it a day? No, Jeremy, thanks for, you know, thanks for having me and, uh, love what you're doing. Keep it up. And anytime you want to have me back, I'll be back. Thanks brother. Awesome. Love it. Thanks a lot guys. Thank you once again, sales team rescue. Um, we are here every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern live on Headspace TV. Um, check us out and message me your questions that you want us to ask. Um, any experts you want to see, uh, like Paul, uh, like Mitch we had on last week, people that have amazing stories that can share with us and inspire us to use sales and sales teams to grow and scale businesses. Um, I want to hear about them. So, guys, have a great day. Remember, get uncomfortable, get results. I'm Jeremy DeMerchant, the sales strategist. Have a good one. See ya. Thanks for joining me. Let's keep the conversation going. You can find more episodes and a link to join our online community over at salesteamrescue.com. If you haven't already, be sure to hit subscribe and give the show a review to help us reach more sales leaders like you. If you'd like our support in creating your own high-performance sales team, 
Book a call with us at salesteamrescue.com. 